My name is Ashley Sebula, and welcome to the Through Every Season podcast, where we discuss what it's like to be a Christian woman in modern day society. We will dive into the truth, trials, and tribulations that come with having a faith. You're never alone here, and we will help you walk through every season. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Through Every Season podcast. It is February. We are in the second month of 2024. How are you doing? Let's check in. Me, personally, I am feeling rather congested. Because if you live in the Midwest, this time of year, one day it can be almost 60 degrees and you think spring spring has come. And then the next day it is 32 degrees and you get like seven inches of snow. And it has been just up, down, and around town with the weather and the temperature the last few weeks. And it has taken a toll on my body. It, it just doesn't know what to expect anymore. So at least to me, I sound really nasally, but you'll notice in the episode, I do not. But right now, me and my current self, we are feeling nasally and congested. We're going to move on to our guest this month. So our guest this month is Tristan Zabicki. Tristan is a 27-year-old Michigan native. She is an aerospace engineer and a Purdue graduate. Boiler up. She currently resides in Boston, Massachusetts, and she has three cats, among other animals, and is overall just an animal lover. And guess what? I think you're going to love her too. So this episode, we are going to discuss specifically mission work and how that has impacted Tristan's life and her perspective on God as well as the world around her. So we're going to dive right in. Well, welcome Tristan to the Through Every Season podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's a nice Friday before a long uh, holiday weekend, so looking forward to the three-day weekend for sure. So you guys get President's Day off too? We do, yeah. Ooh, that's nice. I also get President's Day off because I get all the governmental holidays because Mm -hmm. I work for a nonprofit, so (laughs) we follow all those. But yes, I am also just so excited to have President's Day off. So sorry to anybody who is listening who did not get President's Day off. We are sorry. So this week or this month, we have Tristan on the podcast. We have Tristan Zabicki. So Tristan and I actually know each other. We met in college at Purdue University, and we were actually sorority sisters. So we were in the same um, sorority in Phi Beta Chi. So she uh, knew me during my college days, and <laughs> she's a couple years younger than me. So I did graduate uh, before she she left Purdue and graduated herself. But yeah, that is how how we know each other. And uh, Tristan has moved on from West Lafayette, Indiana. <laughs> So Tristan, tell everybody kind of where you're at now. Like, where do you live and what are you doing? Yeah. So after I graduated in 2019, um, I moved out to Boston uh, for work and I've been here ever since. So coming up on five years, which feels 
crazy. Um, it's been that long. Um, but yeah, I live in Boston and I work during you know the week as an aerospace engineer. Um, I live with my boyfriend and uh, our small zoo of animals. So you heard it here. Tristan is ridiculously smart. She's an aerospace engineer and she also has a small zoo and lives in Boston. And I have to ask you, have you had a Boston cream pie? Um, I can't say that I have. <laughs> Nobody I ever met from Boston has ever had a Boston cream pie. So I'm not sure that they're as significant <laughs> in Boston, but I literally ask everybody that because I don't know. I just felt like it was a rite of passage. Maybe you you live there. You got to have one. <laughs> I do live right above uh, Cane's Donuts, which is like a famous Boston like donut shop. And I always get Boston cream donuts, if that counts. No, that <laughs> it's not a Boston counts. cream pie, but... <laughs> That counts. We'll, we'll say close enough. Boston cream donuts <laughs> are good. I don't really like donuts that much mm. because I don't like like the glaze on them, but I will eat like a Boston like cream donut. So oh, it's dangerous how, living so close. Like I could walk there and like from my apartment and it's not good it's, for my health. <laughs> that is so dangerous. At least you walk there. You, know, you, get, some, <laughs> you get some steps and it'll, you know, it'll all work out. It'll, it'll all balance. <laughs> balance each other out. So we talked about uh, donuts of the day and <laughs> desserts of the day, which means that we have to transition to talk about um, our drinks of the day. So Tristan, do you have a drink of the day today? My drink of the day is really boring. I was thinking really hard about having a really fun drink for the day, but it's more on brand for me to just go with the classic plain water in a blender bottle. I have so many blender bottles. I have an entire cupboard in my kitchen dedicated to blender bottles. And I mostly am just drinking plain water out of them. It's not very exciting, but um, they end up all over the house. My husband uses blender bottles like almost exclusively, and he also has them all over the yeah. house. I definitely buy at least like one new blender bottle in some different color every month, even though they're all, you know, the same, just different colors. That's that's self-care, honestly. You know, <laughs> I think that that's fine. You know, they're probably biodegradable or something like that. You know, it's probably not too bad for anybody or the environment or any such thing. Anybody who is like really into green stuff, just don't quote me on that. It should come to no surprise to anybody who has listened that I am drinking a poppy. At this rate, I am begging poppy to please sponsor this podcast, even though I know you never will, or at least send me some poppies because <laughs> I drink them every day now. I do have a raspberry rosé poppy. I can't remember what other flavors I've had on the podcast, but this one is top tier. So drink of the day, poppy per the huge. So we are talking about a really interesting topic today. I'm really excited to dive right into it. So we are going to talk about mission work today. And Tristan is going to talk about her experiences with mission work, as well as her testimony and how it has changed her outlook on God and her faith. So as you know, Tristan, as an avid who every season podcast listener, we go back to the beginning with all of the guests. So we have to go back to the beginning. So Tristan, where were you born and where did you grow up if the place that you were born is different from the place that you grew up? 
Yeah, so I was born in Chesterfield, Michigan, and that's where I grew up. Um, so I lived there my whole life um, up until I went to college. I'm the oldest. I have two younger sisters. Um, so we're all about a year apart. So growing up with them was a lot of fun. We did the same sports. We both uh, we all did swimming and softball. Um, and so we, we were always on the same teams. We were always doing stuff together. So that was all, always a lot of fun growing up with sisters. Stealing each other's clothes, for sure. Wow. Sisters, and you were all close in age. So you mm-hmm. being in a sorority in college just makes perfect sense, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> oh, gosh. In your family. So obviously, you are a person who has a faith right now at this point in your life. But when you were growing up, did you grow up in a Christian family? Or when was your introduction to Christianity or, or having a faith? Yeah, so I grew up her and my grandma and my great grandma, actually. So um, it was kind of a family affair. Uh, we all would go to church. Um, you know, we kind of had it's a pretty small church. And so there was like that, like one pew where like all of us used to sit. And it was just like the family would be there, which is always kind of cool. Um, but very, very small church. Um, so I grew up going to Sunday school. My dad was raised Catholic, but he was not like a practicing Catholic when uh, we were growing up. So I kind of defaulted to to my mom. My great grandma was probably you know, one of the most like instrumental figures in like making sure that we were raised, you know, <laughs> going to church. She, you know, was 90 plus years old, still driving herself to church every Sunday. Definitely was the one who always, always, you know, would remind you when you didn't come. <laughs> so, Aww. And, you know, <laughs> Tristan also makes sense. So that's, so the sorority that Tristan and I were both in, technically was like a Christian or it was founded on Lutheran principles, which actually fun fact, if you were never in Greek life and you're listening, um, a lot of sororities and fraternities were actually originally funded on different religions or different denominations in Christianity. And ours would just so happen to be founded on Lutheran principles. So this is all coming back, you know, (laughs) together to me now, Tristan. (laughs) So, wow, no, that's awesome. And I will say, Um, I grew up Presbyterian, but Mm -hmm. I had a friend who was Lutheran. I remember going to her, her confirmation. Of course, I went through confirmation too. So as somebody who grew up going to a Lutheran church, did you also like go through confirmation and like do the whole thing? Yeah, yeah. I think I went through confirmation around like eighth grade, like time frame. I know it's always like different, like, Mm. I know like Catholic people usually do it like earlier on. It's like second grade or something. But um, yeah, I did go through like confirmation and everything when I was in, um, I think, eighth grade. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like Presbyterian and um, Lutheran, like the denominations, I feel like they're very similar, like in the way that they that they do things in the different Mm -hmm. like traditional aspects Props to your great grandma for being great, great influence in your life. She sounds like the cutest, like little church lady, like going <laughs> going to church in her little car. But not not a ton of traveling. I had never been on a plane until I was, I think, a sophomore in high school when I went on like a school trip to Washington D.C. Um, so that was like the first time that I had ever even flown. You know, after that, my my mom always jokes that like after, you know, me and my sister started traveling, like we never stopped. Like we have gone so many more places than my parents have traveled a little bit in college. And since I've graduated, done even more traveling. <laughs> yeah. You like caught like that travel bug. And then like, after that, you're like, I got to have more and more and more and more. No, that's awesome. I also, when uh, growing up, 
I didn't travel a whole lot either. And when we did, we kind of went to the same the same places. And my my mom listens to this podcast. She's probably like the number one fan. So mom, I'm not being ungrateful for, for those vacations <laughs> that we went on growing up, but we didn't go to like any crazy places. Like we didn't go to like Hawaii or like go abroad or, mm-hmm. or anything like that. So I can definitely relate in, relate to that aspect, but I also don't travel a whole lot now. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess I never got, got the bug, but I always find it really interesting when people travel and and take the time to and get to have all those experiences and of course post them all on social media so I can see. So you of course grew up in Michigan and Purdue University is not in Michigan for those who aren't local to Indiana and you didn't go to Purdue Univ- and or you didn't go to Purdue University. <laughs> Purdue University is located in West Lafayette, Indiana, which is kind of like West Central Indiana in the middle of of nowhere at cornfield West Lafayette really wouldn't be much of anything without the university <laughs> but Purdue kind of feels like its own like small city honestly within West Lafayette but again it, it, it's in Indiana so what led you Tristan to go to Purdue University for college yeah so I guess, you know, growing up and throughout high school, you know, I was always a pretty good student, um, always kind of excelled in math and science type topic. And my dad works for Ford. Um, so he was always like uh, trying to like, you know, help me like tinker with things and like get me interested in like kind of those STEM topic. In high school, I actually did first robotics, which, you know, is essentially high school kids building robots, which then go on into competitions, which was pretty cool. So growing up, I had always said I wanted to be an astronaut. (laughs) Um, And then at some point, I kind of realized that you like, couldn't necessarily go to school to be an astronaut, like that's not a degree that you get. And right before I started college, actually, um, I started learning how to fly. Um, So I started uh, taking flying lessons. And I did my first solo flight. So that was like a really impactful experience for me. And it kind of shifted my focus from the like space aspect um, to like the planes aspect. And then I learned about aerospace engineering. And um, for those of those people who don't know, aerospace engineering um, as a degree like covers both. So I could technically go work on rockets if I wanted to. In my day job, I work on planes um, and plane engines. Yeah, I, I kind of got, you know, bitten by the aviation bug. And then I applied to a bunch of different schools, some local to Michigan, a couple kind of all around the country, but, you know, mainly aerospace engineering programs was what I was looking for. Um, And if anybody does know about Purdue, it has a pretty, pretty strong aerospace engineering history. Um, The aerospace engineering building is named after Neil Armstrong. Um, His footprints are in front of it. So definitely like some really, really rich history with astronauts um, at Purdue. Um, so I went down for a visit and I never really understood when people said that, uh, when they like walked on to the campus that like they, you know, ended up going to school at that, like they just felt that they belonged there. And I I didn't really believe it was going to happen. I like toured a bunch of different colleges and me and my mom, um, went down to Purdue and I don't know, something about it, like just felt like I was meant to be there. Um, so that's where I ended up. So you're pretty much the coolest person ever because you (laughs) fly planes, you work on the planes, like, I don't know anybody else who does, does you know, like, that's awesome. So you started 
essentially like doing the the classes to fly before you even graduated high school? Yeah, well, it was actually like the summer between the summer between graduating high school and going to college was when I was learning oh to fly. Yeah, that is so cool. Like, I was that age, and I can't even tell you what I was doing. <laughs> and you were you were out flying planes like that. That that's in that's incredible. <laughs> Here's Tristan. She is incredibly smart, and she flies flies planes. So, do you still fly planes? Is that something that you like uh. sometimes still do? Not recently. Um, so I, up until like a year ago, I was getting my master's degree. And so that was like taking up a lot of my time um, on top of work. It's definitely a hobby that like I let die out. Definitely something that I really, really enjoyed that I would love to get back into. Um, it's definitely an expensive hobby. As I get older, like I think, I think we can make it happen. <laughs> You're at Purdue. You hear about this mission trip to Guatemala. So how did you hear about this mission trip? So this was right after my freshman year. Um, so it was probably, you know, towards the end of the year. And I think I honestly, I, I was going to church um, at Our Savior Lutheran, um, you know, not super regularly because it was college. <laughs> There's a lot of things going on, but I would try to go every once in a while. But I definitely think I was on the like email list for like Purdue Lutheran Ministries and things like that. Um, so I really think that the first time I heard about it was in an email, and I think it was, you know, sent out to all of the students on the distribution list, and it said, you know, here's this, here's this mission trip, going to Guatemala, whatever, and I already knew that I was going to be doing my first co-op in the fall, and because I was going to do, be a part of the co-op program, which was going to, so I was going to do five co-ops while I was in school, like every other semester, going back and forth between working and school and working in school. Um, so there was no time at all to do any sort of like study abroad trip. Um, and I was kind of jealous of like all of the kids who were signing up for all these really, really cool study abroad opportunities. And so when I saw the Mission Guatemala thing, I was like, that could be kind of cool. It's only like a week, but I would get to travel internationally and kind of have that, have that experience. Um, so I think that's what initially like drew me towards it um was hearing was getting to have that opportunity to to do some sort of international travel while in college which is awesome and um so Purdue Lutheran Ministries they're a, a a church on the on the Purdue campus hence the name but they were also really strongly correlated with with our sorority as well. We actually used to have chapters at Purdue Lutheran Ministries, which we called the, the PLM. So that is how Purdue Lutheran Ministries was also kind of connected to my sorority as well. And they were the ones leading the mission trip, correct? Yeah, there were two, of, two of the leaders for the trip um, were both members of um, our Savior Lutheran Church. So they, they were the ones that were kind of in charge and then they were trying to recruit, you know, a group mm -hmm. of students to, to take with them. And then who went with you and did you know anyone prior to going on this trip? So I did not know anyone else that was going, um, but four other girls ended up going. Um, April, Taylor, Kirsten and Mandy um, were all on the trip and they all knew each other <laughs> because they all happened to be in the sorority, which I later ended up joining. <laughs> 
So what were your expectations leading up to this mission trip? Going into it, I wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, I'd never traveled internationally at all before this. Um, and we were going to Guatemala, which, you know, was a very, like, interesting place um, to be your first international um, experience. And a lot of, you know, we had some meetings in preparation for going. Um, I think I had to get a few vaccines <laughs> and that was kind of nerve wracking. Yeah, I guess I guess I wasn't really I didn't really have many expectations of what I was going to experience or see while I was there. But I, I tried to have an open mind in general and just whatever was going to come my way. Um, I was going to try to take it in stride and, you know, have a good experience and learn as much as I could. And so for those who are listening, who are geographically challenged, and I am part of the geographically challenged community. So it's okay if you're listening and, and you don't know anything about Guatemala. That's fine. That's why we have Tristan here. But can you tell um, the audience just a little bit about Guatemala so they can kind of get a good picture going in? You went to Cancun and then went straight down, you'd end up in Guatemala. So it's kind of um, in between South America and North America. It's like Central America type area, kind of towards the bottom of uh, of Mexico. It's a pretty small country. Definitely a lot of like different areas to the country. Um, so when we flew into Guatemala, we flew into Guatemala City. And Guatemala City is very westernized, I would say, like a lot of like fast food restaurants, like cars, like just like very, I mean, you wouldn't even know that you were in a different country. And then as you get out into some of the more rural communities, you see a lot more people following very like traditional Mayan um, practices. So a lot of them still wear very like traditional Mayan clothes, which are very like colorful and really beautiful. But you also, you know, see a lot more people like walking up and down the sides of roads. And um, it's a lot of like mountainous areas, very, very high elevation. But one of the things I love about Guatemala is the weather there is like eternal spring. <laughs> I mean, it's always nice there. Um, all the times I've gone, though, have been in rainy season. It usually is like super nice during the day. And then around like three, four o'clock, like you're almost guaranteed to get a, a rainstorm. But it usually clears up by a little past dinner time. It sounds beautiful. And the fact that it's spring all year round. Oh my gosh, like sign me up. Like that, that sounds <laughs> incredible. And is Guatemala, is it considered like a developing country or a third world country? What's the kind of like economic situation for Guatemala? Yeah, I would say Guatemala is predominantly a poor country. Um, I'm not sure if it's like official classification, but yeah, definitely a lot of political struggles. Um, I know even recently they've had some like pretty big unrest in the country around elections and um, politics. Sounds familiar, but I think there's are uh, maybe even a little bit more serious than some of the things we deal with here in the United States. Um, a lot of corruption and a lot of, um, you know, pretty serious allegations. Oh, wow. Well, thank you for painting this really awesome picture of of Guatemala and then we can just all all imagine the spring like weather as Tristan talks about her her mission work there so you're in Guatemala you just landed you're you're doing the darn thing if you will you're going on this mission trip what did you do in Guatemala like what did your everyday routine kind of look like yeah so we were there for a little bit more than a week. Um, and so I think we flew in on a Saturday. Um, so Saturday was pretty much just a travel day. Um, and then 
I think Sunday was a kind of like rest and, you know, get your bearings about you type uh, type deal. And then uh, Monday through Friday was when we actually did um, the work that we were there to do. So um, on that first trip, um, we were working in a community called Maria del Carmen and they were working on a bathroom project. So one of the things that's really cool about the organization Mission Guatemala that I was I was working with was the projects that they're working on are like pretty big community projects. So it's not the kind of thing where you go and you're just gonna like finish a project the week that you're there. Um, they have a lot of different organizations that kind of come back to back um, throughout the year. So you do as much work as that as you can while you're there, and then the group that comes behind you will you know pick up where you left off and continue the project. So the bathroom that we were working on was pretty near completion when we were there. And so some of the work that we were doing was stuccoing like the walls, um, internal and external walls of the building. And then I think on the you know last days that we were there, we were pouring concrete floors um, for the bathroom. And what was really cool about that was, so we went in May um, of 2015 and then a couple months later in November, we got to see the pictures of the, like the finished project when they opened the bathroom and uh, reflecting on like what, you know, it seems like a really simple thing, a bathroom. It had, you know, four stalls, I think, uh, 150 students that were at that particular school. And before this bathroom, they had like two flush toilets that like didn't work so well. We're kind of, you know, hot and cold about whether or not they actually worked and three pit latrines which is exactly what you imagine. It was really a hole in the ground. Um, and so, you know, having these bathrooms um, available for the students to use, you know, was really impactful for, for the community overall. Because that was really cool about the work that we were doing there was uh, Mission Guatemala does a really good job partnering with the community. So they kind of go out into the community and ask them like, what do you need? Like, how can we help you? and provides all of the construction materials and all the volunteer work and all of the um, you know, stuff to get the project done. But they also ask the community to like pitch in. So one of the days when we left for the day, all of the like men in the community came together and dug a lot of the trenching for the pipes for all the plumbing. So it's kind of cool to like, we left one day, we came back and they had you know, dug all these trenches and like, that was their contribution to this project. Um, so I really appreciated that like collaborative aspect of it um, as opposed to, you know, us coming in and being like, this is what you need. We're going to give you what you need. Um, I thought that was a really, a really showed, really showed to me that the organization really was trying to do the best thing for those people um, to ask them, you know, how can we help you? What would be the most impactful thing that we can, we can give you? Because when you're also kind of creating that sense of the community with the community that you're serving, you're building that rapport. So then they're more likely to trust you and to mm -hmm. include you in on what's happening in their community while you're there. And that's just really great because you do sometimes hear that there are groups that go into develop, developing countries or, or countries that are very poverty stricken. And they, they do, they, they tell people, this is what you should want, or this is what mm -hmm. we're going to do. Cause we think you should have it. And 
it's not exactly receptive. Like sometimes there'll be groups that go to these countries, they'll put it, they'll put all this effort and money into creating something. And then the community doesn't even use it, but you yeah. guys really put something together that was helping the community and like getting their input and having them help. So that's like, what's the really beautiful thing about that mission work and what you did. So obviously Guatemala is, is a different culture than the United States. And we've kind of already, you know, given some insight through what Tristan has shared with how it was different than um, the, the United States, which most of the people who listen to this podcast are from the United States of America. But did you have any cultural shocks while you were there? Like things that really surprised you that were just incredibly different from the world that you knew in the United States? I think one of the biggest things for me was when we were out in some of the more rural communities. Um, I think the thing that I reflected on the most was like how materialistic Americans are in general. And, you know, I'm obviously, you know, part of the crowd. I definitely, you know, fall victim to, um, you know, commercialism and materialism um, as, as most people I think do. Um, but I think, I went in with the expectation that like these people have so little, like they're going to be sad. They're going to be, you know, struggling. They're going to be, um, you know, I don't want to say less than, but that, that I think was, you know, something that was in my head. And then um, these people and meeting them and working alongside of them, you really, I really gained an appreciation for uh, the fact that the things that you have do not define a good life. They do not define how happy you are. They don't define, um, your ability to appreciate the things that you do have, um, definitely something that I tried to keep with me when I came back, um, from the trip. Um, unfortunately I find that like it sticks for like a couple of months and then you like very, very quickly fall back into old habits. Uh, yeah, I think the thing that was so surprising to me was how happy people were with like such slow, simple lives. And, you know, it was such a contrast to the, like, fast-paced, materialistic, you know, grind <laughs> that I feel like um, I experience here, like, on a daily basis. Um, I think that was one of the things that was most shocking to me. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, that could be a whole podcast episode is talking about, <laughs> you know, how in, in most ways we're probably worse off in America living this grind, hustle fast-paced, stressful lifestyle compared to people who have a lot less, who are a lot more happier, like what you, what you described. And I could really connect to what you're saying too. Cause again, for my job, and I think I've, I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast. I work a lot with the, the unhoused or the homeless population. And that has been really eye-opening to me on how many things in my life I take for granted and then how privileged I am. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's just mind-boggling and people always think oh there's probably you know people who are poverty stricken or, or they're victims you know to their own circumstances or their own environment like in Guatemala oh they're they're probably so unhappy and that's not true you can find happiness anywhere it's all about what you make of it mm -hmm. which is that yeah that's really beautiful that you described it that way and really interesting too how that was the main cultural shock for you um, well, obviously with that culture shock, you know, you kind of saw happiness in a different light, but were there, was there anything else that kind of the mission trip shaped how you viewed the world? You know, regardless of what community you live in, um, where you live in the United States, you kind of live in, 
I kind of view it as like a bubble, right? Like there's the things that you see on a daily basis, the people you interact with, the grocery stores you go to. And I was reflecting on like myself after going on this trip and the things that I had seen, um, really think it, it allowed me to view like the world in a different way. The um, talk about like a particular group of people that maybe you haven't met before or that you don't understand. Um, but I think that was one of the most shocking things was when, you know, I met people from Guatemala. They were people, the same people that you would meet here. Uh, and I think just having that experience, you know, when you then watch the news and you hear about, you know, things going on in other parts of the world or, um, you know, struggles that other countries are having, um, like viewing those people as like the other, uh, it, it really for me, you know, it felt like there were people I knew now um, and there were people that I then cared about. Uh, and in contrast, you know, I compared that to some of the people who, like in, within my own family who have only ever been in Michigan. Like some of my family had never even traveled outside of Michigan. Um, blame them for not, you know, understanding, you know, people in California or people in, you know, any other part of of the country. But uh, I think for me, it just it it showed me that, you know, there was a bigger world outside of my bubble. Uh, see so much on TV or like sensationalized like in the news especially with like foreign affairs or mm -hmm. or about other countries and we take that as that's how that country is 24 7 for the whole country and it's probably in most circumstances completely a different picture but it does it feels like you know outside of the United States it's just a completely different world but we're all on the same globe like yeah. we're all in the same yeah sharing the same land you know so yeah and and we all have the same I think a lot of us have the same you know goals and you know you know I mean basic basic things you know family love education health you know I mean fundamentally a lot of it is very very similar and you know the way that you might actually you know carry out some of those things might look different but um, you know, I think like fundamentally, a lot of it is very, very similar, more, more similar than different, I would say. That's a really all human right. at the end of the day, but we're all really good at just complicating things. And I feel like, yeah, in, in most regards, we just complicate it <laughs> way too much. And we make our, we, we make our own differences. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. So what did this trip teach you or show you about God? So I think this like particular story is actually from my second trip, but um, I think it's, you know, a good one to tell. Um, on the second trip, uh, we had a, a pastor as one of our, our leaders. Uh, after we would work for the day, we would usually come home, take a shower. Um, and, you know, between taking a shower and going down for dinner, we'd usually sit around and we'd, we'd just talk. We'd just talk about, you know, what we did that day. Uh, pastor, you know, was, you know, trying to put a little bit of, biblical stuff in there. <laughs> and um, one of the questions that she asked on the first day was, where did you see God today? And at first I thought it was like kind of a corny question. I was like, what do you mean? Like, you know, we worked really hard today. Like, you know, we were at a construction site. Like, what do you mean? Where did we see God? Like, I, I don't know. God, God wasn't working alongside of us. I didn't see him. Um, <laughs> but, but as we like went through the week, uh, and, you know, one of the things I think I said one of the days was um, when we were working on one of the particular work sites, uh, water had gone out the day before and I had to fill this like big, you know, oil drum with water so that we could mix concrete by hand. And some of the kids were out on their like lunch break and they saw us, you know, 
carrying buckets of water over to this drum and they ran into their classroom and got like two liter bottles, empty two liter bottles. And they all just started helping us. We don't speak the same language. We can't understand each other. Um, but they just saw what we were doing and, you know, they just joined in and they started helping and they were so excited about it. And I was like, that like small kindness, that was God, you know, like that, that was where I saw God that day. Um, and I think just, you know, having that perspective that it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be something big. It doesn't have to be something grand, um, that it could truly just be a small act of kindness, a smile, you know, shared with a stranger, uh, no, that's beautiful because it's true like God's present in the big things like the mm -hmm. big miracles you know the things that you that are like the unthinkable or the unimaginable of course he, he's behind yeah. that but he's also in just the small things like the really just small like sentimental things like the kiddos like coming to help you and like that's just so sweet what were your relationships like with the girls who went on the mission trip with you yeah, so on that first trip, obviously all the girls knew each other, um, but you know they were they were super friendly, um, and by the end of the trip, uh, all super close. I think you know having an experience like that with other people, um, while you're all kind of growing and learning and you know taking in this new experience, really helped bring us close together. Um, and of course, hey, you should you know come rush our sorority <laughs> in the spring <laughs> when you get back from your internship. And I did. So, I mean, I guess, you know, before that, I had never really actually imagined myself in a sorority. I kind of had, you know, some preconceived notions about like what being in a sorority was like. Um, being on this particular trip with those girls, uh, I realized like these girls are actually really cool and like really fun to hang around. Uh, the rest of the sorority is like this. Like, I want to be a part of that. Like, <laughs> so um, that was really great. I'm really glad I got to share that experience with them. you come home it's post Guatemala if you will what did your faith journey look like after leaving Guatemala like while you were in college maybe a renewed focus I would say on you know the importance of it um you know I think I continued to go to go to church um obviously during the sorority which had you know some religious aspects to it um and that was kind of a good way to like have it be involved in my life without having to like makes a huge effort to, you know, keep it a part of my life. But obviously there's a lot of other things going on in college <laughs> as well. Um, How was your overall college experience at Purdue? Yeah, overall it was pretty good. Um, so when I came in freshman year, I actually knew nobody else going to Purdue. Like no one from my high school was going. I did not know anyone in, in Indiana. So it was kind of a, a big like leap of faith um, going there. But I would say definitely my freshman year, I was like very focused on like the academic aspect of it. I was like, I'm here to do this, have to keep my head down and, and focus on this. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons I was also really grateful for getting involved with the sorority um, was it kind of gave me that like social aspect that I think I was missing, um, you know, definitely freshman year. Um, and through that, made a lot of really great friends, was able to have people to do things with, um, and outside of that, I started to get involved in other things as well. Uh, I was a swim instructor at the Co-Rec on campus. So that was a really, really fun opportunity. I taught, you know, swim lessons <laughs> during the week. Um, I was a swimmer in high school, as I mentioned. And then I also got involved with 
um, Purdue's equestrian team. So um, I've always loved horses. Um, growing up, I my parents would not pay for horseback riding. Um, it was too expensive. We had too many other things going on. Um, and what was really cool about Purdue's equestrian team was you didn't have to have any experience. Like it was a club team. And so you could just join it and ride. Um, so I became a part of that and that was really cool. Really allowed me to like develop a passion that I had not been able to um, spend much time in before. Uh, very, very busy in college with my co-ops. Um, I did five of them like throughout my five years at school. Um, and that had me moving a lot. So I would be at school for a semester. And I feel like just as I like started to make friends or just as I started to like feel solidified and whatever, I would get pulled away to um, I actually did three of my internships in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, and then I did two of them in Boston. Uh, you know, going back and forth, like I had friends, I had like work friends, you know, co-op friends, and then I had, you know, Purdue friends and then, you know, but it, it always sucked. You know, I felt like I was moving. I mean, I was moving every like four months. And you already kind of mentioned that you took a second mission trip in college. So what did that look like for you with this second mission trip? Yeah. So the second trip, so I had a really good experience on the first one and, um, they were getting together another group. So this was almost two years later. This was like May of 2017 when the first one was in May of 2015. Uh, so it was two different leaders from, um, still from the same, you know, church organization going to back to the same place. Um, but it was a mostly new group of people. Uh, the only new person was, or the only old person from the first trip was me in April. Um, so, uh, we were going back, but we were bringing some new people with us. Uh, and that one was a little bit different too, because I wasn't on campus for a lot of the like pre-trip planning because I was away at an internship. Uh, I reached out and said like, I really want to go, but I'm fly I think I drove home from Boston to Michigan like a couple days before the trip. And so while everybody else was like traveling together from Indiana, like Indianapolis to Guatemala, um, I had like my own flight schedule um, and there was some there was some pretty big like travel um issues my flight got canceled in Fort Lauderdale and I was like by myself <laughs> um so yeah that was definitely a very stressful situation getting there um but it all worked out in the end I made it to Guatemala for, for my second trip and what did you do during this um second trip to Guatemala? Obviously the first trip you kind of discussed like putting together the bathrooms for the school, but what was the mission work specifically for the second trip? Yeah, so the second trip was in a different community. Um this project was a lot earlier on in and the bathroom project, so they were really working on like the foundation of the building and um, the community was called San Andreas and the project was called Casa, de, Casa del Maestro. Um, so it was a meeting house for teachers in the community. Um, so a lot of times there would be schools and they would have classrooms, but they wouldn't have, you know, areas where teachers could kind of get together, share, you know, share lesson plans, meet with parents, kind of things like that. Um, so we were, the foundation was kind of dug while we were there. There's still a little bit more like actual digging of the foundation. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but like we were doing a lot of this work by hand. Like they don't have a cement truck <laughs> backing up with, uh, you know, a whole truck full of cement. We were doing a lot of the work by hand. We were tying a lot of rebar for um, like structural supports. 
Uh, so we, we did a lot of that structural support um, work. There was another group that was actually there at the same time as us, um, which was kind of a, an interesting experience um, because they were a lot like tighter knit group. Like they all really knew each other very well. Uh, so we were, we were working on kind of the foundation and the structural supports. Uh, oh, that's awesome. I love how you also brought up too that you did this like by hand. Like that is a lot of really manual labor and work and definitely an active service. And as you were talking about that, it just like in my mind, you know, that is, that's also so biblical too, you know, how we're meant to work hard and like work with our hands. And um, if you're not somebody who is super familiar with the Bible or um, the life of Jesus, especially like before his ministry, where really we were all introduced to him, Jesus was a carpenter. So he also worked with his hands. Like he was the son of God, but yet he was doing manual labor with his hand. Like he was a carpenter serving other people. So just as you were talking about that, that's like where my mind went was that, which is just, which is just beautiful that, you know, you're able to do that active service too for other people and continue kind of that work that also Jesus did before he started his ministry. Yeah, it was definitely a really cool experience because I think, you know, a lot of the like volunteer work or donation stuff, you know, that I'd done before was more like giving money, right? Like it feels like it's very easy to do to like give money, but um, to, you know, give your time and to give like physical, you know, labor towards something is definitely, you know, a, a kind of a different experience, you know, I'll just say both valuable for sure. <laughs> yes. It makes it so much more valuable because not in like the money sent sense but like it cost more like you put like I wouldn't say blood I mean I hope there wasn't any blood but like (laughs) you put like your blood sweat and tears for lack of a better saying Mm -hmm. like into that project and into that work and like to me like gosh that's just so much more valuable than giving money to an organization and so you came home from that mission trip And I'm sure that you had, you know, more experiences between like your co-op or co-ops, your several co-op opportunities, and then also your time at Purdue. But what did life look like for you after graduation? Oh, I graduated in the spring of 2019. Um, I secured a job a couple months before, um, probably in like the March timeframe. So I knew I knew where I was headed. Um, and it was with the same company that I had been doing my internships with. So um, it's kind of work I was familiar with that I was pretty comfortable with. And I was excited to um, be a part of one of their early career programs, um, which would, you know, give me the opportunity to get my master's degree to, um, you know, try a couple different things within the company before, um, you know, settling into like a full-time role after graduation. So um I was really excited about that. Um, I went to Michigan for you know the summer between um, when I graduated and when I was set to start work, which was in July. Um, yeah, and then I you know packed up and moved to Boston. <laughs> and after you graduated college, so you're you're in Boston, you're in this new place um, full time because I know you had been there for your internship, but you're you know you're kind of in a more stable position there. You have your your you know boots on the ground there. Um, what did your faith journey kind of look like at that time period of your life with that transition? Yeah, so that's something I've actually struggled with quite a bit, like since I've been in Boston. Um, 
is like finding a you know church community um that i don't know that like aligned with you know my beliefs my practices my um i don't know um yeah, th thus far, like I have not. I've gone to a couple different churches. Um, grew up in like a pretty traditional like Lutheran church. Um, I tried. I've tried, you know, going to a few more like contemporary, like non-denominational Christian churches. Um, and there's things I like about them, and there's things that like don't feel like church to me. I think because I grew up in a very traditional church setting. Um, so I've really I've struggled. Um, you know, to this day to, you know, find like a community that I've really felt a part of. So um, ongoing journey. Um, I still, you know, try new things and I have a couple like online churches that I'll, you know, pop on the TV, which, you know, it's definitely something that, you know, pre-COVID you probably couldn't do. So that's a, a like good way to, you know, still, um, you know, hear the word and like be involved, um, even if not, even if you're not, you know, physically in person. Uh, hey, that's okay. And, you know, I'll say this. It is so hard as a young adult to find a church. It really is because out of all of the the age demographics that go to church, probably the demographic that has like the least representation as a whole, it's going to, you know, it's going to vary are young adults. Yeah. So it's so hard, yeah, to find a church where you feel like you have that community because you go to church, of course, to hear the word of God, but mostly to have community. I mean, that's mm -hmm. why the church was created. That's why Jesus created the church uh, with his ministry. But yeah, like, girl, it's hard. It's so <laughs> hard to to find to find a church. So I hope you know you and your boyfriend eventually, you know, you find a community that you guys you guys really like. But it's awesome. Still, you know, you can have a relationship. People might not like want to hear this if they you know have more of a legalistic like mindset but mm -hmm. you can have a relationship with god and not go to church yeah a hundred percent you know you're you heard it here you probably heard it before but you heard <laughs> it here right now you can have a relationship with god and not and not go to church or not mm -hmm. go to consistently go to church either so it's a really good point and again if you're somebody who's listening and you and you can't you know you can't find a church either just know that you're not alone like you're not the only person who can't find a really good solid church community. It's a it's a problem that a lot of people have. A lot of us have. So Tristan, you had shared with me that you actually went on a third mission trip after college. So what led you to plan for this third mission trip post college? Yeah, so this third mission trip was actually this past August, so August of 2023. Um and I think it was December of 2022, um, New Year's Eve. And, you know, I was reflecting on the past year and thinking forward to what I wanted to accomplish in 2023, what I wanted to do. And something, something in the back of my head was like, you know what would be really cool to do would be, you know, to return and do another mission trip. Uh, I think that it was really intimidating at first because I didn't have that like church, um, you know, support system that, you know, I had had with the previous two trips. Um, and, I, and I think that's, you know, where most people hear about like mission, mission trips is through church organizations. Um, so, you know, I started brainstorming and I was like, how could I, how could I make this happen? Like, I'm not a part of a church. Uh, take with me. Would it even be okay to like take a non-church group on a, you know, a volunteer trip, on a mission trip. Um, 
and at the time I was the leader of a group at work called, um, we call it ECPO. It's Early Careers Professional Organization. Um, so it's geared towards people between like zero and five years at the company, um, helping them, you know, get acclimated to, um, you know, professional life after college, a lot of professional development, social events, things like that. Um, and I'd heard so many stories of people that I was friends with from that group traveling. And I was like, you know who loves to travel? You know who's always up for an adventure? Early career people. <laughs> so uh, I kind of floated the idea by a couple of my you know, closer friends in the group. And they were like, that sounds like a really cool and unique opportunity. And I would say definitely after COVID, we were really struggling with volunteer, like, um, activities like our group had been pretty active in like doing volunteer stuff in the community um, pre-COVID and like post-COVID we would like plan events and we just could not get people excited about volunteering and so we were like this is like this is you cannot not be excited about like a trip to Guatemala <laughs> so that, that was kind of our my thought process was you know this is a really like cool opportunity one that you know I've not heard of um at our company before, uh, and I think I can make it happen. So I reached out to Mission Guatemala. They kind of knew who I was because I had gone on two previous trips. Um, and it's a lot of the same people who were, um, you know, leaders of that organization from when I was there in college. And, you know, I said, I have this idea. I want to bring, you know, a group of people. Um, but I, I don't necessarily know that it's going to be like a religious experience like for everybody like I think there are probably religious people coming on the trip um, I don't know that that is necessarily like the focus of the trip I think we can still do the volunteer work um, like would you be interested in you know helping and 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 they were totally down they were like we haven't done anything like this before um, we don't really have experience with having like corporate groups uh, let's try it let's see how it goes <laughs> so um yeah, and so also being on the planning side of the trip versus just the participant side of the trip was a much different experience. Um, while I think it, I probably had a small advantage, um, I don't envy the leaders that planned my college trips because they had to corral college students. <laughs> I was corralling like adult professionals <laughs> who I probably had a little bit more trust in than you know my previous leaders had in college students. Um, but even still, like coordinating, you know, getting all the money together, flights, logistics, um, vaccines, passports, you know, the whole nine yards, making sure everything was, um, you know, laid flat so that we could have the trip be a success was a lot more work than I think I originally anticipated. But um, I think that that that's incredible, especially, you know, you you did this on your own. And I think it also goes to show to people too who are listening and who are tuning in that you don't have to do mission work or volunteer work through, through a church. You can do it on your own. You, you can do it with anybody or you can just do it yourself. And what I really like too is that um, you took people of all, probably all different types of faith. And I think that that is incredible because when you're doing, I feel like if you're doing mission work or volunteer work, it doesn't have to be Christian focused to be like an experience where you're doing your own personal ministry 
on earth, like glorifying God, you know, mm-hmm. the, the fact that you were there, no matter who you were with is excellent. And it's also was excellent too, that, you know, you were able to get all tor- types of different people with different walks, if they even have a walk with faith together. And I just think that that is, that's incredible. Like it doesn't always have to be, you know, the same song and dance or what we typically see as mission work to be, to be mission work. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be really inspiring to people who feel like, well, you know, I'd love to go on a mission trip like Tristan, but like, I don't have a church, you know, what am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Um, But for those who are interested in maybe doing mission work and maybe not doing it, you know, through a church or like a really established organization that maybe goes out and they they do this type of work, what would be your advice to them with the planning process? I would definitely say, you know, it'd probably be beneficial if you had, like, I definitely think that me having the previous experiences with the previous trips was definitely, um, you know, beneficial and helpful. So, you know, I would definitely say like, if, you know, through, through a church community or through, you know, any community where like volunteer work is being done, like, maybe get a little bit of experience, like doing some of that before you take on like planning a whole trip. (laughs) But um, yeah, I would say that the thing that I realized was that like, I had this like artificial barrier in my mind that was you had to be a part of a trip or a part of a church in order to do a trip like this. Um, And then it really just took me asking for them to be like, well, that's like, that's what our rule has been up until this point. But we're actually interested in expanding to, you know, these other types of groups. And I think there's, you know, lots of groups that work with like corporate, um, corporate, you know, companies and stuff like that. Um, But even if it's not something that big, um, you know, I know that outside of like mission work, like I, I have my own like little volunteering things that I like to do. Um, And a lot of those things are like super accessible to, to anyone. Um, I know in Boston, we have like, there's an organization called like Boston Cares, which is they like organize a bunch of volunteer opportunities and kind of have like a website where they like post a bunch of different things where you can volunteer and, you know, even if like you just do it by yourself, you know, you don't, I think it's intimidating sometimes, um, but you often meet people there, you meet somebody and then you drag them along with you next time, um, or you, you know, drag that one friend along so that you don't have to go by yourself. Um, But I would just, you know, express to people that, um, again, like we were talking about before, it doesn't have to be some big grand, you know, trip across the world. Um, Even if you just, you know, take a couple hours to volunteer your time in your local community, you know, it's more impactful than I think people, people recognize. I love that you brought up too. And I think it's awesome. You know, you also volunteer locally to you in Boston. You're kind of like a superwoman. Like you, you've, <laughs> you've flown planes, you swim, you ride horses, you, you, you build plane engines or help design them as an aerospace <laughs> engineer. You've been to Guatemala. You're like volunteering in your spare time. Like you're awesome, clearly. <laughs> so <laughs> You know, just to pat you on the back a little bit, but um, I love how you brought up too, you know, some people might not have the funds or groups may not have the funds to do this big, like a broad trip, but there's so much that you can do in your own community or in your backyard or maybe like a town away or Mm -hmm. a state away that there's just so much even here in the United States that you could do. Like it doesn't have to be this big grand thing. It can just be you know, starting off as something small, just, you know, giving back to other people is like, what's the big, the big point of it all? Yeah. Yeah. So I think one of the big challenges that we had was funding the trip. 
Uh, before when I had gone on my previous trips, um, there was definitely some financial support from, you know, the church and the community that was kind of, you know, putting on the trip. Um, and so when we kind of went out and decided to do this on our own, um, the funding was a little bit tricky. So we originally had approached, you know, our company, which we all worked for and said, hey, this group of employees is going to go do this thing. Um, and we knew that they had money like set mm -hmm. aside for like charitable giving and like philanthropy, like philanthropy type stuff. And so, you know, we kind of asked the question and said, is there any way that you could help fund this trip? And their answer was no. <laughs> um, so that, that money, I guess, you know, specifically had been set aside for use in like the local community around like the plant. Um, and then there was some like risk to the company, like sponsoring us on this trip um, that they didn't really want to deal with the like legal and, you know, risk aspects of that. Um, so that was kind of disappointing. Um, and when we kind of got that news, I wasn't too sure that people were still going to want to do it. Mm -hmm. um, I was kind of nervous that, you know, without getting some money from, from the company that people were not going to want to like fund it themselves. Um, so we kind of regrouped after that and, you know, I had said, I think if you just ask people like friends and family, like you'd be so surprised how much, you know, they'd be willing to, to help you. And so, you know, I think I posted a, you know, GoFundMe with, um, you know, the goal of, um, you know, raising money to pay for the whole trip. And I, I think I raised a little bit over $800 and, you know, I was so grateful to my friends and family. Um, some of the people who donated were people who previously had gone on other trips with me. Mm -hmm. um, some people, you know, were just for family and friends who, um, you know, recognized the work that we were doing was important. Um, and, you know, and from that time, like, we didn't lose a single member of our team. Like, everybody was like, we'll figure it out, gonna go, we'll fund it ourselves. Um, and in the end, we made it happen. So we ended up bringing... Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, <laughs> six people, myself included seven. Um, so seven people went on the trip in total, um, which was really, really great. Uh, that's awesome. And so you go on this third mission trip and at this point you've like put together bathrooms, you laid foundations. <laughs> what, what, what was the work that you participated in for this third round? Yeah, so the third round, we actually had two different projects that we got to support, which was pretty cool. So we started the week working at a basketball slash soccer court, which sounds strange, but it's actually like the soccer goal is like the bottom and the basketball thing like comes off the top of it. Because um, those are like the two most popular sports that mm -hmm. uh, children there play. Um, so the court was mostly done, but they were building a um, a wall like around the court to keep the balls in the court. Yeah, <laughs> I assume. Um, and I think they were gonna put up some you know fencing um, around the court eventually. So one of the things that they built they built the wall with these hollow like cinder blocks. So the cinder blocks had to be filled in with concrete. Oh my. <laughs> So yeah, we did a lot of mixing concrete and carrying five gallon buckets of concrete and just pouring them like along the perimeter of um, the basketball and soccer court. Um, so we did that for the first couple days. Um, and then 
the second project that we went to progress was they had built two new classrooms at a middle school um and the classrooms themselves like the structure of the classrooms was done um and they were working on tiling the floor um so they were like foot by foot tiles um and i did not appreciate how difficult tiling was (laughs) um yeah (laughs) so the the mission um hires a couple like local contractors to like help you know facilitate the actual construction work that you probably don't know how to do by yourself um so i spent a lot of time with um you know the foreman like having you know him show us how to you know lay the tiles and make sure they were like spaced properly and like level um but yeah we were tiling tiling a floor um so people were like cutting the tiles to the right sizes so that it all fit together um so that was those were the two projects that we got to work on uh, that third time pretty much like we put all that work together and I know they were all separate different projects but you like pretty much built a house like, <laughs> right that's what that's what when uh on our our last day we were like you know um saying goodbye to all of the uh workers that we had worked with throughout the week and uh they told me that I could tile my kitchen at home and I was like I, I will keep that in mind I will uh I will have to use my my new skills uh in my future home <laughs> You're probably going to build it at this rate. You're going to build your own home because <laughs> you have all of the skills for it. <laughs> hey, not everybody can knows how to do all that work or would be comfortable doing that. So I think that's awesome. That's a really, those are really great skills to have. I mean, yeah, it sounds like really hard work and I'm sure it was really hard work, but yeah, for sure. <laughs> man, the skills that you learn from that, like that, mm-hmm. that's just so valuable. You know, they don't teach that stuff at school I mean maybe if you go to like a trade school where they um, teach those things but in most circumstances you know you're not going to learn that in an educational setting it's true that's just so valuable so what were the differences if there were any big differences that stood out to you between the mission trips that you did in college and then the mission trip that you went on post-grad with your coworkers, essentially yeah so I would say that one of the you know so when I was on the the trips previous um obviously there was you know more of a religious focus um on the trip so a lot of the mornings we would like wake up and you know do bible study or something like that together um and I thought it was interesting how that translated to this trip so we didn't do bible study but we did what we um affectionately nicknamed Guatemala book club which was that all of us had brought our like latest books that we were reading. And none of us talked about this beforehand, by the way. Um, we all just brought books and every morning we would come down and um, Guatemala is like really famous for coffee. So there was like fresh, good coffee every morning and we would just like sit around and just like read. And then we would like talk about our books and like just talk about life. And we just, you know, so while, you know, the topic was different, like the, um, you know, the community aspect of it and the like team building and, um, you know, getting to know people was the same. And then outside of like, the, you know, the work during the week was the same, right? We were just working alongside of each other um, as I did on the previous trips. I will say the third group was a little bit more adventurous than the other groups that I had gone with. Um, we went ziplining um, on this third trip. Um, 
which was a lot of fun. But like, definitely, there were some people on the trip who like really were pushing us to like be adventurous and like do some fun things. And I appreciate them a lot because that's not like my nature. So uh, yeah, so we did that. We like went out into the city one night, um, you know, went to a couple different restaurants and bars. So that was maybe a different experience that I've had with my, you know, the church part of the group. But um, yeah, it was definitely a lot of fun. Um, and again, it was like, it was a good trip with good people. Um, and we were all working towards a common goal. So um, in a lot of ways, it was very similar, um, even though it was different. That's an awesome kind of description, like the differences and also the similarities but between the two. And um, kind of as a as a follow-up question, did you feel that you felt God less in that third trip compared to the previous two? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say that it felt similar to me um, in the sense that to me, like my relationship with God has always been like super personal. Mm -hmm. And I've always felt like while I have been in Guatemala, you know, doing that work, um, you know, that I felt, you know, very close to God in that environment. And I always, I've always compared this. Um, I went to Italy a couple years ago and, you know, was in the Vatican, like in the like big, beautiful churches oh, Wow. and like beautiful, but like, I've always said that I, I've felt closer to God in Guatemala, like doing work than I did standing in this, like you know, beautiful, church, beautiful, yeah. beautiful church, with like a, you know, surrounded by, you know, Christians and surrounded by whatever. And, and to me, that's always just been like my personal experience. So for me, like, regardless of the people who I was with, for me, like, I still felt very, very close to God um, and felt like I was seeing, you know, God throughout the week while I was, while I was in Guatemala. Now that's, that's incredible. And yeah, it goes, it goes to show again, you know, you can experience God anytime, anywhere. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be in a church. You can be anywhere and you can feel close to him. And for everybody, it's different because for some people, maybe they do feel mm -hmm. the closest to God in a church. But for some other people where they felt closest to God are other places. And that's perfectly fine because we have 24-7, 365 access <laughs> to God for a reason. So for everybody, it, it's different. So I think that that's just such an excellent excellent point to bring up especially for people who who have struggled with going to church in the past or even yeah, present sure. you know everybody's different and at a different in a different walk so how has mission work shaped who you are today yeah so I think just overall it's really given me the perspective that there's always something that you could do for others um I think it's very easy to get caught up in your own life in your own struggles in all the things that are going on um, and it's, it's easy. It's easy to just like ignore it. It's easy to pretend it doesn't exist. And I think that some people, you know, even think that by, by doing that, that like, they'll feel better, you know, like I'm doing all these things for myself. Like I'm going to have all of these things for myself. That's going to make me feel better. Um, and I found that like, just taking like a small amount of time, even, even when things are busy, even when things are, um, difficult and like giving that to others, like always makes me feel 10 times better than doing something for myself. So yeah, I think I think it's it's really showed me it's changed you know my view as we were talking about about um, you know where you have to be to see God um, you know where God can show up and just giving me you know a better appreciation of you know the complex world that we live in um, and you know God's people who are all over it. 
That's so good. And how has the mission work kind of shaped your relationship with God? Yeah, I think it's something, you know, like I was talking about that I, you know, haven't had a church community, you know, recently. Um, I think it's just been a strong reminder to me that, that, you know, being a part of a church or, you know, belonging to a particular organization is not what defines my relationship with God. Um, and that, you know, I define that relationship and, um, you know, when I seek him out in whatever way, you know, that I do, um, you know, be that through mission work or saying a prayer or, you know, tuning into a, a church service, um, you know, I think it's just showed me that, like you're saying, you have a 24-7, you know, line um, that he picks up every time. Yes, 100, 100%. And I know we've talked a little bit about suggestions and advice for people who are wanting to do mission work, maybe not necessarily with a church, but maybe even just on their own. But what would be your tips and suggestions that we haven't talked about already for those considering <laughs> doing mission work? Aligning yourself with an organization that you like see doing good work or, you know, that maybe some, maybe, you know, somebody who has worked with them before, like we were kind of talking about earlier. I think that there are, there can be organizations who like have good intentions. I never want to go on an experience that's like touristy, like, you know, that's, you know, more about you like having an experience um, yeah. than like the work that's being done, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like um, the intention's good, but the execution maybe isn't the best. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that, you know, the particular organization that I've worked with, um, in the past, the reason why I kept going back is because I really saw like their heart for the work that they were doing. And I just saw them like executing it in a way that like, seemed like the right thing to do seemed like, you know, they truly had, you know, the best intentions um, in the work that they were doing. And, you know, I wanted to be a part of that. So um, I would just say, you know, just be cautious of those things. Um, obviously, there's a lot of organizations out there, make your own judgments um, about about the you know the work that people are doing and obviously I think it's still probably easiest to get involved with some sort of organization but you know my story is definitely one that shows it's not necessary um so if you're feeling really inspired you know I would encourage you to to go for it to to step out there and um and make it happen and we have to know do you have any future mission trips planned currently that's a good question. And I read this question and I said, Ashley, I feel like this is like a call to action for me to like <laughs> go out and plan my next trip. Um, but I do not at this moment have, you know, the next trip planned. Definitely something though, that's like still, you know, a big part of my heart and something I definitely think will, um, you know, will come back around in my life for sure. <laughs> And do you ever see yourself doing other mission trips, not in Guatemala or even other areas? Yeah, I think that's definitely an area that, you know, could be a really good opportunity for, for me um, would be to, you know, get involved with a different organization, um, branch out. Yeah, for sure. I think that, you know, definitely have that on my mind for, for the future. That's awesome. And just all of the work that you've done whether it's your volunteer work just outside of your work or all of the mission work that you've done in Guatemala is awesome. It, it, it's incredible, you know, what you've been able to do and how you've been able to serve other people is just, I think it's awesome. And what I really hope, 
you know, with everybody tuning in and when everybody with everybody listening is I hope people are, are just more inspired to help others like you have and just maybe have that on their heart and have that on their mind. Or like what we talked about, a little bit of a call to action <laughs> Well, <laughs> for people, whether it's to get out in their own community or whether it's to find another community to serve. I just think, you know, part of our mission here on earth is to serve and help others. And any opportunity that you can do that is just it's just fantastic. So thank you, Tristan, for just inspiring people today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, but again, just thank you, Tristan, for for coming on on the podcast. Uh, I don't know if this was out of your comfort zone, but <laughs> if it is, I'm just in, in either way, I'm just incredibly grateful for you to to come on here and to bless other people. So just thank you so much. Hey, it's me again. (laughs) So I just wanted to come on here before the end of the podcast and share a few things. So the first thing that I wanted to share is, did you know that you can actually sign up to be a podcast guest for this podcast? Yes, you can. So I actually created a few months ago a jot form that you can sign up to be a podcast guest and you can share your testimony. We can talk about a certain topic you feel passionate about. Again, this space is open for anybody who wants to come on here and and use it. So Tristan actually was the first person to use that jot form link. And as you see, She was able to come on this podcast. So if you feel called to come on this podcast for whatever reason, just know that you are welcome to. And I actually link the JotForm link to be a podcast guest in the description of the podcast. Second thing, do you want prayer? Do you even want to submit a prayer and be anonymous? You can do that too. There is a JotForm link that you can submit prayer request, and it is also going to be in the podcast description for this episode and all episodes moving forward. The last thing. So I planned for season one of this podcast to be 10 episodes long, and we are on episode nine right now. So in March, it will be episode 10, and then that will be the end of season one. So I will actually be doing a solo episode for March. So we won't be having a guest. It'll just be me. And then after March, I'm actually going to be taking a two-month break. So then you won't hear back from me on this podcast for two months. So I will come back in, um, in June. I am making some changes to the podcast for season two, but I promise it's nothing like too crazy. So some of the feedback that I've gotten for the podcast thus far is I don't post enough. So the reason that I only post once a month is because whenever I commit to something, I want to make sure that I can execute in 100%. I'd like to think that I'm a reliable person. So it was important for me as I'm building a trust and a rapport with an audience that I fulfill, you know, what I say I'm going to do. So I knew that I could 100% post one time per month. I knew I could execute that. I knew that I could promise that and then fulfill that promise. Once a month isn't a lot. And there are podcasts that literally post every single day or once a week, but 
I have a full-time job and this is not my full-time job and it's not meant to be my full-time job. This is my form of ministry. So I can't do that. But what I can do is I can post twice a month. So I don't know the exact schedule for what that will look like. Part of the break will be me figuring that out. But I did want to give that heads up as we head into the last episode for season one of the Through Every Season podcast. So there are your announcements and I'll see you in March. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for being here. You can listen to the Through Every Season podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Feel free to follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook and Instagram, and the handles are mentioned in the description of the podcast. Welcome to my family. Thanks for being here.